John chapter 3 is where we're at. I'm going to read the first 15 verses and then we'll, we'll start. <clears throat> there was a man in the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that wherever that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Father, I, I pray this morning, God, that you would stir our hearts um, to be led by your spirit, to, God, if there are people here who, who are still separated from you, Lord, that they might be born again today, that they might come into your kingdom today, that they might be made new and, in, and dwelt with your spirit and joined to Jesus' resurrection life and their eyes open to see truth and the hope of Jesus spread out in front of them. God, may that happen today. God, give it to them today. Father, others of us, God, that you would, you would teach us and train us to be led by your Spirit, to be um, responsive to you. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were asked, who's the best guy you know in Woodward, Oklahoma? I, I think you'd probably have a couple names that would pop up into your head. You know, people that maybe you've known a long time that uh, have helped you, that have been a neighbor, something like that. Uh, I, I really think that in, in Jesus' day, in this community that he's in right now, I bet you anything Nicodemus' name would have come up. Just, just from what we know about him even later on, how he kind of defended Jesus in John 7 and, and how uh, he was the one who helped Joseph of Arimathea bury Jesus. I, I just kind of think Nicodemus' name would have come up. Like, this was a good guy. Um, he, he, was, he was super devout. He's a Pharisee, like a respected religious leader. Jesus describes him as a ruler. John describes him as a ruler of the Jews. So in other words, he's a leader. This guy, this guy is well known in the religious community, okay? Uh, Jesus describes him as a teacher of Israel. Uh, he, he is somewhat 
pro-Jesus. You know, many of the Pharisees were absolutely against Jesus, plotted his death. Uh, Nicodemus seems to be on the other side of that. He seems to be very pro-Jesus. He knows that Jesus is a teacher come from God, that the miracles he's doing are from God. Um, he, he advocates to some degree for Jesus. Uh, and, and so, man, if there were ever a guy who would be a great addition to Jesus' ministry, if there were ever a guy who, who Jesus could say, hey, you know what? You're close enough, you know? Like, like, like come on in. Like, I want, I want you, you know? If there were ever a time where Jesus might maybe soften the gospel a little bit to make sure this guy comes in, it would have been now. But let, let me tell you, Jesus never does that. Um, it's one of the impressive things about Jesus. I, I, you know, like guys like the rich young ruler come to him, you know? Here's a guy that everybody's like, oh, whoa, whoa, here comes so-and-so. You know, man, he could really be valuable, you know, to the ministry. And Jesus is like, hey, you know, give up everything, sell everything you got, you know, give to the poor, come follow me, you know? I mean, he like gives him the hardest word, okay? And, and, and in the same way, Jesus, he won't soften the gospel for Nicodemus. In fact, what he tells Nicodemus is, you're so broken and you are so far from God that unless you're born a, again, unless you're born from above, unless, unless you have a new beginning, Nicodemus, you can never see or enter into the kingdom of God. In verse seven, he describes it as you must. He says, you know, why, why do you trip over me saying you must be born again? In other words, there, there is an absolute necessity. You know, I, I think Nicodemus just came to have a theological conversation. He came to kind of figure Jesus out. He came maybe to, to get a little, little new truth or something. And, and Jesus just blows apart his religious system by saying, Nicodemus, there is an absolute necessity. You got to start over. You, you got to be born again. Like you're too broke. Like everybody is too broke. You've got to begin again. And I, and I would say the same thing to you here this morning, man. You know, I, I think a lot of people come to church because they feel like, like I'm, I'm just a little off. You know, I'm a pretty good person. I got, I got my life planned out. I'm going this direction. But, but you know what? I've got a few areas that I know I'm a little off in or I, I think I might need a little help from. And so, I, you know, I want to come and get a little wisdom to get back on track. Man, that is not the way of the scriptures. Uh, the way of the scriptures is you, you got to scrap everything and you got to be made new. You, you've got it. You're completely and hopelessly lost without Jesus, and you've got you've got to have a new beginning. You have to have a new birth in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it, I think the phrase "born again" is probably familiar to you, but probably in the wrong way. Uh, I, I I hear a lot of people using the phrase "born again." Uh, almost as a super devout Christian. You know, you have your Christians and then you have your born again Christians. You know, they're like the super devout, a little bit radical, you know, kind of weird, you know, ones. Okay, listen, that, that's silly, okay? You, they're, they're really saying born again Christian is like saying I'm a, I'm a citizen of the United States American. You know, or, I mean, it, it's, it's, they're the same thing. You know, it's like, it's like saying, uh, hey, tomorrow it's supposed to have that wet stuff falling from the sky kind of rain. You know, well, there isn't any other kind of rain, right? Uh, and born again Christian, the, you, there aren't any Christians who are not born again, right? They, they don't exist. Like, like if you're going to be in the kingdom of God, Jesus says it very plainly here in John 3, if you're even going to see the kingdom of God. He says, you can't see the kingdom of God. You, you can't even know what it is, really, unless you are born from above, unless you're born again. And this is, this is accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit has to do something in you. If you remember back in John chapter 1, 
verse 13. He says, uh, uh, verse 12, all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then verse 13 says, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is something the, God's got to do in your life. This is something that is accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is you were dead. You, you were in a dead state and you come to life. This is you, you were not responsive to God. Yeah, yeah, this is everybody, okay? Everybody starts out their life not responding to God, not seeing the glory of Jesus. That is a characteristic of our lostness is that we're not impressed with Jesus. We're impressed with all kinds of other things. We're drawn to all kinds of other things, but we're not impressed with Jesus. That's a spiritual blindness, all right? We're dead in our sins and, and the spirit of God must make us alive. Right, and then Nicodemus asked the great question. This guy's sharp. How, right? Verse four, how can a man be born when he's old? How, how can he enter a second time into his mother's room and be born? You know, I, I think a lot of times people take this guy as, as just completely locked into Jesus' literalness. Like Jesus saying, you gotta be born again. And he's, he's like really asking the question, okay, so I'm gonna climb back in my mother's womb and try it again. You know, I'm, I'm 280 pounds. I don't know how big Nicodemus was. But you know, like, I actually don't think Nicodemus is saying that. Um, this was a sharp guy. This this was a teacher of Israel. He knew uh, that all through the Bible, the prophets spoke in metaphors and analogies and pictures, okay? I, I think he's just staying with Jesus' picture. I think he's asking the question, how can, how can this happen? How can, how can I have a new beginning? How can I be made new? How can I have a new heart? How can, I, how can I become a new person? How does that happen? I think that's the question that he's asking. Notice what Jesus answers in verse 5. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Tons of controversy about what the water represents. Um, some people think uh, it's baptism. Some people think it's the Holy Spirit. There's evidence for that in John 7, by the way. Some people think it's the repentance ministry of John the Baptist, which I can see a bunch of these. But honestly, it just makes total sense to me that Jesus is simply talking about a natural birth and a spiritual birth. Okay, when, Even today, with all our advances in science, okay, even today, when a lady is about to give birth and something happens, right, what happens then? and everything gets wet, right? Her water breath. I mean, yeah, we know it's not H2O that you would drink, you know. Uh, we, 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 we understand it's amniotic fluid. I think they probably did as well. But I, I think Jesus is simply saying there must be a physical birth and there must be a spiritual birth. I, I would back that up with, with the next uh, phrase that he talks about in verse um, nine. No, 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 six. Six. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You see, I, I think he's explaining what he means by water and spirit when he describes flesh and spirit, okay? We, we understand what it is to be physically alive. Your lungs are breathing, your heart is pumping, your brain is firing, you're physically alive. But according to the Bible, you can be physically alive and spiritually dead. There are millions of people all across the globe that are physically alive, but they are spiritually dead. They are not alive to God. They do not see the glory of Jesus. They are not connected to the resurrection life of Jesus. And if they are to die physically, they will die eternally. They'll be separated from God in a place the Bible calls hell forever and ever. You can be physically alive and spiritually dead. Okay, on the other side of the coin, you can be physically dying 
and spiritually alive. I love that passage in, what is it, 2 Corinthians 4, where Paul talks about, um, uh, see, he says, uh, how's he phrase that? The old man is, uh, this old body is, uh, it'll come to me. Uh, hold on, don't, don't worry, it's coming. The outer man is passing away. But the inner man is being renewed day by day. Remember that in 2 Corinthians 4? The outer man is passing away. We, we, we get that. Like, like our physical bodies are breaking down. They're getting weaker. Um, our memories are, are fading. There was an example of that just a minute ago. Uh, you know, all, all that is happening. But yet Paul says, but I'm being renewed day by day. In other words, my spiritual life, my connection to God, this part of me that actually will transcend this broken body and this broken place and will live forever. That thing is more alive than ever. And it's all absolutely mysterious. Okay, if, if, if you're sitting here thinking, man, it's, you know, just thinking about this, that a person is made alive by the Spirit of God and they're, they're forever changed, that's super mysterious. Absolutely. In, in fact, here's what Jesus says about that. Verse seven, do not marvel. That I said to you, okay? So don't, don't be overly disturbed that Jesus says in order to enter the kingdom of God, you gotta be born again, okay? Don't, be, don't marvel at that, this, this idea of being made alive in the spirit, that somebody can be physically alive, uh, or, but physically, physically dead, spiritually alive. Okay, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Verse eight, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Now, there's kind of a double, uh, a double little uh, edge to this because in, in the Bible, in the original language, wind and spirit are the same word. And, and so, so Jesus is, is really making a playoff words here. But, but even though they're two different words in our language, um, we still understand what he means, right? Um, so... The wind, like you can't see it really, right? You, you don't actually know where it comes from or, 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 or where it's going. You can't track it, okay? But you absolutely see its effects, correct? You know, there have been days where it was super windy and I kind of wonder if it was windy as Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. You know, he comes at night. Like, I wonder if it was one of those stormy nights and, and they're, they're there in, in, in some little 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 uh, house or room and I wonder if the shutters were, were banging, you know? And, and if, if the, the candlelight was flickering and, and there were maybe papers that Nicodemus had brought and they were, they were blowing, you know? And uh, wouldn't it be cool? Like, like, but we get that, right? Like, you can't see the wind, but man, you know it's windy. Like, you're chasing your hat. And, and like real things are affected, right? In Oklahoma, sometimes things blow over and roll and, and, and they're destroyed even, right? By the wind, we understand the, the, the clear, visible effects of the wind. And Jesus says, so it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Like, like this week at Falls Creek, I had, had a young man, I, I, I know before I left, I got to see this young man who, who, who put his faith in Christ and was born again. And man, I sure wish I could see the Holy Spirit, you know, coming down and, and, and this guy's heart being made alive and, and him being joined, this tether to Jesus. I wish I, I can't see any of that. But you know what's true? If he's truly born again, I, we will see the effects of that. Like he will be changed. He'll be transformed. It'll be clear and visible. Okay? But, but if there are no effects, there's a problem. 
If, if, I, if I tell you, man, it's windy out, and we all go outside, and it's this dead stillness, this humidity that's hanging in the air, and I throw up a little dust, and it just kind of goes like this, you know? You'd be like, I, I don't think it is windy, you know? I think another way that the spirit is like the wind is, man, we can't control it. I was thinking about sailing the other day, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm not been a sailor, but um, I was thinking about how helpless would it have been, you know, back when, before they had engines on boats, how helpless would it have been to be crossing some great sea, and then just the wind quits, you know, and you're like, what do you do? You know, like, you just wait on the wind, right? Like, you're, you're absolutely dependent upon the wind, and in the same way, my friends, we are absolutely dependent on the Holy Spirit. Man, parents, we got to get used to this with our kids, don't we? Like we want so badly for God to move in our kids and, and move in our family, move in our friends. And, and then one of the things that you come to see as you, as you live the Christian life is we are absolutely dependent upon the moving of the Holy Spirit. Like you can try to manufacture something and you can, you can bully somebody in, you can pressure them into making some kind of decision, but you know what's real, right? Like, like they can't come to life unless the Spirit moves. We are dependent upon the Spirit. It's all the more reason that we should ask, right? All the more reason that we, we should ask the Holy Spirit to move. All the more reason that I hope you join me at 5.30 uh, tonight in, in, in the big room. We're, we won't be in here. They're probably going to be constructing stuff. So I've set aside the big room for our prayer time place. And, and all, all the more reason you, you should come. Listen, there, there's, uh, we've not prepared anything. We don't do that for our 5.30 summer prayer nights. All we do is we come and we just ask. We ask the Holy Spirit to move. Like that, That's the purpose of our prayer meeting tonight. It's simply, God, would you move? We need you to move. We need you to move in our community. We need you to move in our family. We need, Holy Spirit, we need you to move. We are dependent upon you. Okay. I would like to spend the rest of our time this morning um, jumping into just kind of a whole Bible, if I can, picture of the new birth. All right, and that's where I'm going to give you seven characteristics, okay? So here's where the note-taking might, might be helpful. All right, I'm going to give you seven characteristics. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying these are the only seven. I, I just These are seven things about the new birth that I, I think are worth us looking at this morning, okay? Now, the first one is maybe not technically. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of people would include this in what happens when someone is born again, but as I was just looking through the Bible um, at, at pictures of of spiritual birth. Um, actually, this one was maybe the most exciting to me. So uh, that, that's why I'm including it, okay? So number one, the Holy Spirit gives a burden to believers that someone be born again. In other words, the Spirit leads you to labor for the lost. There's probably what you should write down. The Spirit leads you to labor for the lost. I, I want to show you in Galatians 4 where I got that. Um, Galatians 4, 19 Paul says this, my little children for whom, whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Okay, let me read it again. My little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. If you ever read the Galatians, Paul is really worried about the Galatians. 
Um, he thought that they were born again, but they very quickly turned back into legalism. Like, like he came and preached the gospel and there seemed to be reception, but then they, they peeled off. And, and so, so Paul, Paul gives this image of, man, I labored for you and I'm laboring for you again. You know, how many, how many ladies would like to do that? Like, this is the second time I had to give birth to you, you know? Uh, but but that, that's the picture that, that Paul gives here is of this burden for the lost that he describes as childbearing, as, as labor, as as, as, as labor pains, as the anguish of, of, of childbearing. Think through this. Anytime there is a physical birth, okay? And, and I'm looking at the evidence there was a bunch, okay? In this room even, all right? Anytime there is a physical birth, there is some valiant mama who carried you at great cost to her own body and her own energy and her own career and her own plans. She carried you and then she travailed and was in anguish. I've got a buddy that describes this as she screamed you into existence, okay? I've seen it five times and it is magnificent, okay? It's magnificent. But, but it is a travailing. Uh, Emma never got the drugs, and so it, it, there was screaming, you know, there was, uh, there, there, was, there was this anguish of bringing life into the world, and Paul takes that, and, and he says, that's what I have for you. I am, I am in anguish, I am travailing, I'm in labor that you might be born again. I used to think that in adoption you missed this. Now, actually, you don't. Uh, I, I, learned, I learned my lesson. Uh, with our adopted son, it's a different kind of travail. It's a different kind of anguish. But, man, it's real. It, there, 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 was, there was actually one sense in which our whole family travailed to bring Asher into our family. In, in some sense, a church did. Man, are you burdened for anybody are you in labor for anybody born again believer i'm i'm, I'm asking you are are you travailing are you in anguish are, are are you are you prevailing in prayer are you anguishing in prayer to bring anybody into this world into the kingdom of god and paul is is fantastic in this in romans 9 he says this thing that he knows we're not, we're not going to believe it. And that's why he starts out in verse 1 saying, look, I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness. I'm telling you the truth in the Holy Spirit. And then this is what he says in verse 2. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my own heart. I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. He said, man, if I could, if I could bring you into heaven if I could bring you into this world and I'd sacrifice myself, I'd do it. I, I, I think he's actually playing off of kind of a mother spirit there. I, I think most mothers would say, man, as we get to that ninth month, if I've got to die to bring this baby into the world, I'll do it. I think that's, that's the spirit that Paul has here. He's like, I, I want you to be born again. Who do you know that needs to be born again? And, and are, are you in labor for them? Are, do you have a burden for them? Are you in anguish? Are you travailing in prayer over their lostness? 
Number two. To be born of the Spirit is to be born of the Word of God, okay? So in other words, um, the Spirit uses the Word, okay? The Spirit uses the Word to bring sinners to life. So let, let me give you a couple examples of that. Um, one is in 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Peter says, Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Uh, James 1.18 says a very similar thing. So the spirit and the word, they work in tandem, all right? Now, actually, they're, they're very closely connected, right? Because the, the word of God is breathed out by the spirit, right? That, that's what it says about itself, that, that, that the word of God is the, the breath of the spirit, okay? And so, so you have the word of God and the spirit of God working together uh, to bring you into life. In, in 1 Thessalonians 1.5, Paul said, our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in the power of the Holy Spirit. So in, in other words, when you bring the gospel to someone and you're travailing for them in prayer, then, then the Holy Spirit is gonna take the word of the gospel and he's gonna use that to bring people to life. Has that happened to you? Is it continuing to happen to you in the sense that God will take his word, God will take a verse, a phrase, a paragraph, a chapter, and he will, he will literally change your life. Like he will, he will change your mind. He will change your heart. He will change your attitude. He will change your disposition. You're, you're actually made, made different because of the word of God used with the spirit of God. The, the connection between the Word of God and the Spirit of God are really fantastic. Um, one of my favorites, and we don't have time to go into it, but is, is uh, Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. So in Ephesians 5, it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then it gives a bunch of these uh, like implications of that. Like, here's what happens when you're filled with the Spirit. Okay, And then you go over to Colossians 3, and it gives those same implications. But, it, but instead of saying, be filled with the Spirit, it says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Isn't that interesting? And, and, and so, so I, th- those two, they work together. So, so the Spirit of God is going to use the Word of God to bring about the new birth. Number three, number three, the new birth is accomplished by the Holy Spirit in uniting you to Jesus Christ the Son. Okay, so, so this is the mechanics. We actually looked at this as Titus 3, 5, so I'm going to spend a bunch of time on this. We looked at it back in March when we were going through Titus. But, but the way that, that God makes you alive, the way that you are born again, is the Spirit of God takes you and he joins you to Jesus, okay? He connects you to the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He's alive forevermore. And so what the Spirit of God does to save you is he takes you and he tethers you. He joins you to Jesus. Back in Ephesians, here's one of my favorite places that that this is, is described Ephesians 2, 4 says, but God, so in case the first three verses say, you're dead, you're dead in your trespasses. Verse four says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive, listen, together with Christ. You see that? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, over and over again. You're, you're joined, you're in Christ, you're with Christ. 
You are made alive by your union to Jesus Christ. Now, this makes perfect sense going through the Gospel of John because what, what verse have we looked at every week? John 1, 4. It's my, one of my favorite ones in John. And, and it's talking about, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. And then in verse 4, it says, in him was life. Life. And the life was the light of men. And we've said it every week. If you want to live, seek Jesus. If you want to live, pursue him. You, you won't find life in Netflix. You won't find it in hunting and fishing. You won't find it in, in friendships. You won't find it in snowmobiling. You won't find it. You'll find it only in Jesus. In him is life. And the way that we are made alive is by being joined, connected to, the, to Jesus Christ in his resurrection life. And that's the way we live. And then that's why, that's why we have testimonies. Have you given your testimony to anybody lately? Your testimony is, this is how I got joined to Jesus and came alive, and this is how he's changed me. You got a guy like Saul, right, who, who is born again. He's connected to Jesus by faith, and, and he becomes a different guy so much so that God changes his name. He was a persecutor and a killer of Christians, and now he, now he we, we just read, he said, man, if I, if I could die and go to hell to save you, I would. What a change, huh? And all through the history of the world, we have these testimonies of John Newton, the slave ship captain who, who, who becomes born again and becomes a preacher who writes the song Amazing Grace. I was trying to find the guy, uh, uh, the Aka Indian who uh, speared to death and, and shot with arrows, Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and all those guys that were trying to bring the gospel to him, and then later he becomes born again and comes back and leads the tribe, you know? Man, a guy named Zach uh, got out of W.S. Key uh, this week, and uh, David arranged a, a breakfast for him with his family uh, at Carlitos. And uh, when Zach went in 16 years ago, man, he was a hard guy, a bad guy. And and his dad was born again about three years into his prison term. And then Zach was born again a couple years after that. And he became one of the, the best disciples out there at WS Key. In fact, in this last year, he, he, he was writing commentaries on the Bible uh, and passing them out and mailing them out to guys that had been in and gone out. Zach gets out, you know, and it's it so beautiful. His dad came from Florida, his mom and his sister. And his dad came and brought him a ring, put it on his finger and shoes and coat and my son was dead but now he's alive man that, come alive by being joined to Jesus number four what happens when you're born again our eyes are opened to see the glory of Jesus okay so all of a sudden you see things differently differently I I, I, when I tell my testimony, I, I describe that, that I, had a, I had a weird phenomenon that, that, I mean, the day it happened, I'm like, I knew it was happening. I really couldn't explain it. But, but I was born again kind of in the middle of the night. And the next morning I got up and I got my Bible and I got, and it was like the whole world was different. I'm not talking about like, like colors, I, not, not, nothing like that. It was just like everything seemed different. Like, like my purpose, why I existed, uh, the way I looked at my family, the way that I looked at my job, the way that I looked at everything. It was just all different. It was all changed. And that, that totally coincides with what the Bible said. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, this pastor we look at all the time, almost every week at Lincoln, uh, in one way or another. Uh, let me start reading in, in uh, 
uh, verse 14. How about that? Uh, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, the same veil, the same blinders remain unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil it, it lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and with the Spirit of the Lord is there's freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who's the Spirit. Okay, if I could just review what he just said. At one time, there's this veil over your, your eyes, and what could not you see? You couldn't see the glory of Jesus. You didn't get it. He, he was not life to you. He was not breath to you. He was not amazing. He was not glorious. But in the new birth, your eyes are opened, and, and I would say opened and then increasingly opened, okay? Uh, I think I could prove that to you. Before you were blind, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ. But when you come to Christ, your, your eyes are open, and you can see, you can see the magnificence of Jesus you can see that Jesus is life. You can see the hope of eternal life. You can see the beauty of the gospel. You can see the love of God. You can see. And because you see, you begin to pursue. But, but I said increasingly because, listen, there's more to see. There's more to see. All right? If, if, if you're born again, that's awesome. Okay? And the way I would liken it is you, you've just driven through the gates of Rocky Mountain National Park and you can see Long's Peak over in the, over in the distance and, and you can see the Continental Divide. That's awesome. But guess what? There is more. Like, keep driving, okay? There's more to see in Jesus. That, that's why in Ephesians 1, if you've ever read the structure of Ephesians, Ephesians 1 starts out by saying you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and, and you're redeemed and you're forgiven and you're adopted and you're chosen and you're predestined and he just lays it on, bam, 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 bam. And then he stops at the end of chapter 1 and he says, God, please open their eyes. Open the, no, he actually says open the eyes of their heart. That's even better. Open the eyes of their heart that they might see the riches of their glorious inheritance, that they might see the immeasurable power of the resurrection. They might see the, the uh, what's the other thing he says, uh, the hope, the, the glorious hope that awaits them. Man, when you come alive, you see. Number five, the Spirit gives us a new heart. Um, Ezekiel 36, we're running out of time here, but... Uh, I'll give you a new heart, a new, new spirit I'll put within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from you. I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you, cause you to walk in my statutes, be careful to obey my rules. Um, just real quickly, what does it mean to have a new heart? It means you got, you got new affection. You love different things. You, you have new values. So things that used to be uber important to you are not that important. Things that were nothing to you now are super important. Okay, you have a new value system. You have new desires. You have a new purpose. You got a new resolve. You have a new willpower. You have a new victory over sin. You, your heart functions differently. And again, increasingly, right? The more we yield to the Spirit. Number six, you're born again to a living hope. I love this verse in Peter, 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercies, caused us to be born again to a living hope. We come alive to this glorious goodness that's in front of us. 
You know, whenever a baby's born, one of the cool things is just thinking about what stretches out ahead of them, right? Man, just what are they going to do? Where are they going to go? Who are they going to impact? But you, you know what's true about that, right? None of that's certain. Like tragedy comes, and suffering and hardship and sin. But when you're born again, you're born again to a living hope. It's living, why? Because it is securely attached to the resurrection life of Jesus. Man, it can't be taken away. You're born again to a living hope. Number seven. We are born from above in order to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You're born of the Spirit in order to bear the fruit of the Spirit. You're joined to Jesus in order to begin to live the life of Jesus. I know probably the passage you're familiar with, right, is the fruit of the Spirit's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Yep, all those things. Uh, But also, in 1 John 3, it says that because we have God's seed abiding in us, we we don't live in habitual sin. We We don't continue in unrepentant sin if we have the Spirit of God, if we're made alive in the Spirit. 2 Peter 1 says we're increasing in in spiritual growth. In other words, you keep growing. That's one of the signs that you're alive is you keep growing, right? Same same physically. Like if you're born and things are great for six months and then all of a sudden you don't don't gain any weight, you don't grow any taller, you don't, man, the doctors get really worried, right? Because you should be growing, you should be increasing. You should be learning to Live by the Spirit. And there's this great phrase I want to finish with. Galatians 5.25. It says, keep in step with the Spirit. So in Galatians 5, he talks about living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, and then keeping in step with the Spirit. Man, this, this maybe is the most exciting thing to me about being born again. Is that now all of a sudden, I, I, am, I am walking with the Spirit. Um. That's incredibly exciting. It's not all victory. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to have to share with you. I, I've just resolved that if I'm going to share my victories, I've also got to share my defeats, okay? Uh, so, but even, it's kind of funny, even the defeats are exciting with Jesus. So um, I'm out prayer walking late last night, and uh, I'm just asking God, make, make these people alive. Make my neighbors alive. You know, I'm walking in my neighborhood, and I walked up to the motel that's near me, and I was walking through. Uh, I have a couple motels that are near me, which are kind of fun places to prayer walk, but kind of the one that's not as nice. And, and I'm, I'm walking past there, and uh, I see this lady up in the second floor of the motel just sitting on the cement with a couple kids. And I'm just praying, and as I was turned around, I was already walking the other way, I thought, man, I just had this nudge. You ever get nudges? I just had this nudge of the Spirit toward that lady. And so I started to turn around, and, and then there was this lady in a pickup who seemed to be watching me, and she pulls out real slowly and just stops, stops right in the middle of the road and is watching me. And, and it's like, so first of all, I, I never want to look like a creeper. Does that, does that make sense? Like, you know, and so particularly if I'm going back to talk to this young gal, you know, and, and then this pickup, and so I, I just thought, eh, 
And I just kept, I kept walking to my house and, and I'm praying, but I still kind of felt that nudge toward the lady. And, and I, I thought, you know, I'll go back later and I'll bring one of my kids with me. And anyway, night went busy. I was working through and it got late and, and already a couple of the kids were in bed. And I was like, okay, I, I need to, I need, I'm going to go back there. And it was, it was, it was, by this time it was like 9 30, 10 o'clock at night. And so only a couple of my kids were up and I said, hey, Anybody want to go prayer walk with me a little bit? And, and they all had things to do. And in retrospect, uh, if I would have told them the situation, they, they would have gone. I, I, I don't know why I didn't. I just, I, I'll tell you why. I, I didn't think she'd be there. I mean, what's the chance that, you know, she'd be there again? I, I, just, I was just going to go by and pray. So I, I walked back. She's still sitting there, you know, and on that second floor landing. And I'm like, okay, you know, maybe, God, you want me to do this? And, and so I'm, I'm walking up toward the motel. Or as I walk up toward the motel, this car backs in. And uh, as I'm walking down the block, I sit back in right kind of in my, my, the way I would go and opens this door and this guy in this wheelchair with great effort gets out, right? Guy about my age, kind of rough in a wheelchair, which by the way, the, the young girl is not my target demographic. The guy my age in the wheelchair is, okay? So like I'm automatically drawn to him, you know? And, and so I kind of just, hey, how you doing tonight? I'm fine. Hey, I'm out praying, just, you know, just praying for our neighborhood, praying for you guys, you know? She kind of entered into a little bit of conversation. He was trying to get in his room. That went all fine. But, but again, by that time, I, I'm, 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 I'm where I can't see the gal anymore. <laughs> anyway, there were other people pulling in and I, I just walked home. Uh, I, I think that was a mistake. <laughs> I, th- I think I should have somehow engage that girl. Uh, here's what I'm telling you. I'm still learning to walk by the Spirit. I'm, I'm still learning to hear His voice and, and to respond with confidence. Does that make sense? And that's, that's the beauty, that's the excitement of the Christian life. Like even, even though that was a failure, I think, like I, I don't think I did exactly what He wanted me to do. But, but yet, like, it's one of those, I was talking to Fred this morning. He's like, he, he actually asked me a real unrelated question before he knew this story. He was asking me, is that sin when that happens? And, and I said, you know what? I think in some way it is because it's unbelief. Like, I don't think I trusted Jesus at the level I should have trusted him. But on the other hand, it, it's a sin that I was repenting of even as it's happening. And I'm resolved to go back there. Like, I, I'm going to go back tonight, you know. And, and I, like, I, like, I don't know what he's doing. Like, maybe it has nothing to do with the girl. Maybe it's all about the guy in the wheelchair. Or maybe it's somebody, I, I don't know. But how exciting is it to walk in step with the Spirit? If you're born again, you have him. He's speaking. Are you listening? Are you responding? Man, that's, that's the life, guys. That's the life. Real quick, John 3, 15. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. I want to close with that picture. It's a picture in Numbers 21. Israel as a nation had sinned. They were perishing. They were dying. They were literally dying because of fiery serpents in the camp. And they cry out to God and God sends an intercessor, a mediator, Moses. And he makes a bronze serpent and he puts it on a pole. Puts the pole up in the camp. And everyone who looks to God's means of salvation lives. My friends, you are dying in your sins without Jesus. But God has 
put Jesus on a cross. He has lifted him up for you to see. And if you will look in faith to him as your redeemer, as your savior, as your king, as your Lord, if you will trust him, if you will respond to the words of the gospel, whosoever would put their trust in Christ, follow him, be done with your life and take up his, you can be saved. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the words of the gospel this morning. I thank you for the life of the spirit this morning. God, I pray that, God, you would bring to life Lord, these who will hear my voice and the voice of others in this congregation today. God, give us a burden. Give us labor pains, Father, to bring, to bring people to life through the spirit, through the gospel. Father, I pray that that we might walk in step with your spirit today. In Jesus' name.